0: and welcome to Device Week, a podcast from MedTech Insight. I'm Managing Editor Elizabeth Orr, and I'm joined this week by Senior Reporter for Dosaf no Rook, who many of you know as Danny. Danny, you recently had a chat with Jeff Sherin, director of the FDA's Device Center, about how the agency has handled the coronavirus pandemic, the user-free negotiations, and more. Tell us what you found most interesting from the conversation.
1: Yes, thanks. It's been a difficult year and a half for everyone. I know personally, as a medical reporter covering the med tech industry, which has been so integral to fighting the COVID-19 pandemic, it's been tough. We've been in overdrive trying to cover so much news that's important to companies and other stakeholders who are trying to navigate these difficult and unpredictable times. But that in no way compares to what the FDA has been doing all these months. They've really been pushing themselves to get their regular work, such as product reviews and inspections done, while also working on developing new guidances. But on top of all that, they've been reviewing emergency use authorization applications for products to fight the pandemic and coming up with all sorts of new policies. And sometimes, as we've reported, those policies haven't gone as well, and the agency has had to reverse positions on things like oversight of EUA diagnostics. So the bottom line is the staff at the FDA are under a lot of pressure and are exhausted. So maybe not as surprising, but rather shocking is that Schurin confirmed his people are really burned out, and some of them have told him that they are planning on leaving the agency as soon as the public emergency is over. They're staying on to serve their civic duty, but once COVID is under control, they're planning to leave because the work Workload is just too much. Considering that Shuren probably mostly interacts with high level FDA officers, I suspect that we may expect some top level FDA staff to leave the agency.
0: Wow, that's something I'm not so sure Shuren is looking forward to. You also talked about the medical device user fee negotiations. I know there have been some disagreements between the FDA and industry.
1: What did Shuren have to say about that? As we've reported, industry disagrees with the FDA in terms of whether the agency has met its previous Medufa obligations that include filling staff positions, which again likely won't be helped if there is an exodus of staff after the pandemic is over. They are also concerned about the FDA's use of funds to upgrade IT systems and what it plans to do with any excess user fees. But one of the areas that I think is particularly interesting is that the FDA wants to create a Total Product Lifecycle Advisory Program, or TAP. As you know, the agency has been working on adopting this new TPLC philosophy about following the safety and efficacy of products in the post market setting, but now the agency seems to be going one step further and talking about how having more engaged conversations in the pre market setting with other stakeholders such as payers and providers. Now if you recall we've been reporting for a long time that one of the medtech industry's biggest grievances is what they call the valley of death. The valley of death is this chasm according to the industry between when the FDA approves their product, and when there's enough data collected for the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services to reimburse for those products. For readers who want to understand that issue more, I recommend reading up on our stories about the Medicare Coverage for Innovative Technologies or MSET rule. Anyway, industry's argument is that the value of death makes it really hard for them to get new products to patients. But what I found interesting is that Shuren uses that same phrase to flip the issue on the industry. He says the real value of death is the time between when a company is developing a product and when it submits a product application to the FDA. According to Shuren, there are significant problems that companies don't account for prior to submitting their product for review that could be resolved with the TAP program and essentially save them time and money.
0: And what does industry think about the TAP program?
1: Well, industry isn't really too sure about it. They've been repeating the same mantra we've heard in previous MEDUFA negotiations, that they want to maintain the user fees as they are, and any additional funding should be paid for through congressional appropriations, aka tax dollars. They really want to figure out how to make the system that's already in place more efficient than have to fund new programs like the TAP. Remember, they had a similar reaction to the FDA's proposal in the last user-free negotiations over the use of real-world evidence to develop the National Evaluation System for Health Technology, or NEST, but eventually they came around to it and even praised it. This time around, industry says it's skeptical that other stakeholders will be vested in having these pre-market discussions through the TAP program, but Shuren argues that companies already do this on some level, and the TAP program is really meant to help smaller companies who don't have the resources to hold those conversations
0: interesting is there anything else you think is worth mentioning about your conversation with shern
1: I mean, I can go on forever, but I do recommend people check out our podcast and Q&A story online. It's pretty broad-ranging and extensive. I also wrote a story recently about how analysts at Wells Fargo have found that the FDA has actually improved certain MDUFA metrics during the pandemic despite all the pressure they're under. Now, granted, that data is still incomplete and may change significantly, but it's definitely something in the FDA's back pocket if industry says that the agency hasn't fulfilled its obligation before moving on to the next MDUFA iteration or MDUFA. A five. So that may be something to read up on as well.
0: There's definitely plenty to track there. And while you were talking to Sharon, I've been following two recent Supreme Court decisions with roots in the device industry. The justices handed down the ruling in the first case, USV Arthrex, on June 21st. Manufacturer Arthrex argued in the case that the patent trial and appeals board process is unconstitutional. Constitution requires decisions reached by lower level officials, such as administrative patent judges to be subject to review by higher-level appointees, in this case, the director of the patent office. However, the law at the time gave the PTO's director no role in the appeals process. A 5-4 court agreed with Arthrex on the constitutionality question but said the problem could be fixed by giving the patent office director more oversight of the appeals process. They didn't direct how these reviews should take place, just said that the director needed to have the option. So basically, the justices sent Arthrex's patent appeal back to the PTO and and told them to figure out how to incorporate director-level
1: review into the system. Have we seen any movement from the Patent Office on that? As it
0: happens, we have. The Office put out some documents on June 29th that laid out an interim process for director review. The guidelines say that the PTO Director can review a final written PTAB decision, either on their own or upon the request of someone involved in the patent appeal. To ask for a direct review, parties need to submit a request to the PTAB end-to-end electronic filing system, and email notification of the request to to a patent office mailbox. Attorneys for all parties need to be copied on the notification email. But none of this is set in stone. The PTO noted in its guidelines that this is an interim process, and they expect to tweak it in response to industry and staff feedback.
1: Yeah, I'm sure they'll figure it out as they go to some extent, but you said that was just one of two device-related Supreme Court rulings. What's the second one?
0: The second one is about a dispute between Minerva Surgical and Hologic over patents on a uterine ablation tool. The whole backstory is a little complicated, but basically one of Minerva's founders was an entrepreneur and inventor who, almost 20 years earlier, had helped to launch a company later acquired by Hologic. The patents he got at that company ended up being owned by Hologic, who then sued Minerva for violating the original patents. Part of Minerva's defense was that the patents weren't totally valid in the first place but that ran up against a very old rule that basically says inventors can't turn around and argue against their own patents in court. That rule is called or estoppel.
1: You're right, that is a little complicated. So what did the court do?
0: As in the Arthrex case, they sort of took a middle road. The 5-4 to four ruling left or estoppel in place, but narrows it. Under the court's new interpretation, the rule only comes into play if what an inventor says in court directly contradicts what they said in the patent. So in this situation... It's now up to the appeals court to figure out whether Hologic's claim about the patent are significantly different from what the original patent says.
1: What kind of reaction are you seeing from industry on that? I understand that some of the trade groups have been arguing against Estoppel.
0: Yes, they had, especially on the pharma side. But this ruling seems to have pleased just about everyone anyhow. Hologic is happy that the principle was left in place. Minerva is glad that the courts will now need to decide on the merits of the patent case instead of getting blocked by Estoppel. And observers appreciate the court laid down some firmer guidelines around estoppel that help clarify and limit when it comes into play. Well, it'll be interesting to watch how this all plays out. That it will. Thanks, Danny. Listeners, you can check out all of our Supreme Court, FDA, and Medufa coverage at MedTechInsight.com. And for all the latest MedTech policy and regulation news and analysis, you can follow us on Twitter at medtech_insight. Insight. For now, thanks for listening.